Good morning and hello. This is The Letter. I have with me a very special guest, Mr. Eugene Grant. Mr. Grant is a renowned politician who has run for a variety of national and state level office. He's also released an album titled... Um, uh, it's uh, A Brighter Future Together, Chris. A Brighter Future Together. Thanks, uh, Eugene, uh, Mr. Grant. Which you can obtain at his website or at a public appearance. Uh, Mr. Grant, let's start with the album. This is a rather unusual route for a political candidate to take making an album, is it not? Well, Chris, we live in unusual times. There's a lot of change going on in the world today, mm. and I'm looking to capitalize on that. People expect more from the candidates than press releases and sound bites. I'm catering to that. So you feel that releasing this album will give you that edge? Well, who can really say? You do what you can, you have to follow your gut. I know that I am a musician. I enjoy music. I enjoy politics. I thought, well, hey, why not put them together? And so I did. And I think, I think the results speak for themselves. Indeed, they do. Now, Mr. Grant, let's take an, a listen uh, to an excerpt, <coughs> if I may. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is from the song Forward Brighter Days. Am I correct? Yes, that's correct. All right. Let's take a listen to that song. Wonderful stuff, Mr. Grant, I must say. I'm simply bowled over by the novelty of this. Well, Chris, you know, I don't want to get sort of subsumed with all this novelty schlock. You know, this is a serious project. It's not really something that I'm just sort of throwing away or, you know, throwing out there. Well, I meant novelty in a good way. Well, when I hear novelty, I think schlock. I, I think trinket, you know. I think the kind of thing that you'll buy at the Christmas tree shop. These are real issues and real ideas that I'm dealing with here. And, I'm, you know, I'm currently working on a song about my feelings on the budget, which I hope to release fairly shortly. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Now, you've spoken somewhat about the state of our economy. Could you tell us a little bit about the ideas you are writing about in your songs? Certainly. When I was writing the song, I was grappling with an essay by the esteemed Martin Berryworth mm -hmm. on the struggle between providing for our children's future and grappling with a multipolar uh, multipoled world. And I was thinking about our economy in light of that. Any specifics? Um, in the well, <laughs> Chris, it's, uh, you know it's it's hard to speak persuasively about the budget in the span of a three-minute pop song. You know what I'm saying? Uh, okay. I mean? <laughs> okay, understandable. Well, if I may, would you mind telling us your feelings then, in these settings? You can expand it any length if you like. Uh, certainly. Uh. All right. Uh, well, allow me to ask some questions about the deficit. <laughs> go, yep, go ahead. It has been stated by certain esteemed economists that deficits are acceptable during a recession. Mm -hmm. However, mm -hmm. within the realm of a functioning and recovering economy, do you still feel it's appropriate to maintain a deficit? Why wouldn't it be? Well, I guess that's my question. Is it responsible to be spending more money than we take in? Well, Chris, I think you're phrasing the question wrong. Obviously now, as a citizen, if I'm spending more money than I'm taking in, that's no good. You know, that that's a problem. I'm in debt. And that's irresponsible. Mm. 
You know, I think that the family is the cornerstone of American life. Mm. If the family ain't working, the country ain't working. And I think it would be grossly, grossly irresponsible from a family perspective to operate in such a situation. However, I think that as you grow... As you grow in size, you operate on different scales. A government operates in a much different manner than I do, or you do. And so, you can take certain liberties that you can't as an individual. The budget deficit is one such area. I mean, there is no such thing as the government, you know? Think about that for a second, Chris. Just think about that. I mean, (laughs) there is no physical entity that is the government. You know, it's not like there's like some guy in a tunnel somewhere and that's the government. No, the government is this collective. It's a construct that is built by all of us. And so different rules apply. But isn't that like saying we're all in debt? No, 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 no. I don't believe that's true, Chris. There are other factors at work here. There are other institutions that make up the government besides just individuals. So no, no, I I don't think that's accurate. Oh, all right. That's fair. Do you favor increasing the debt ceiling? Well, there shouldn't be a debt ceiling. No debt ceiling. The government should be able to spend an infinite amount of money. <laughs> well, well, clearly they won't spend an infinite amount of money, Chris. But the government budget should not have its hands tied like that. No government but, agency should have its hands tied but, like that. We're not. We can't afford that, you know. Uh, but at some point, the collectors are going to come calling to claim their debt. Who are the collectors? They're us. You're saying we're going to dismantle our own government? What about foreign countries who have made giant investments? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's another platform of mine, to remove foreign involvement in our economy. Let's let's touch on that a bit. You have come out in favor of free trade ideas. However, you've also spoken about reducing our reliance on foreign powers. For instance, by reducing our energy dependence by reducing our dependence on foreign oil. How do you reconcile these two somewhat contradictory ideas, Mr. Grant? I don't see how they are contradictory, Chris. Well, perhaps you care to elaborate on them? Well, first of all, I believe you are misquoting me. I have I have here an interview you did earlier this month where you came out and said one of the biggest threats to the Republic, and I quote, since three-fifths of a man became five-fifths was our reliance on the government programs. And, well, on government controls over the economy, and that is, that is what is hurting our ability to compete on a global scale. Absolutely. So how do you reconcile that? I think it's a fairly obvious position. Well, how do you reconcile that with your ideas of being energy energy independent when have i said that well mr grant we have a few files on uh, a few interviews on file i believe when you have talked about the benefits of energy independence in fact just a minute ago you mentioned that you wanted to remove foreign involvement in our economy i'm not entirely sure that i said that chris i i think you're Uh, misquoting me here uh mr grant Sorry, we we have the recording. Uh, Chris, I don't believe you do. I, I think... Uh, hey, hey, Moink, can you play the recording? What about foreign countries who have made giant investments? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's another platform of mine, to remove foreign involvement Chris, in our economy. Chris, I was making a point. 
I don't see how these are contradictory opinions. Well, you you want to reduce our reliance on foreign oil, reduce foreign involvement in our economy. Yet you want to make the market do its own thing. Well, yes, and you can have both. You you don't I mean these are geopolitical this one <clears throat> one okay one realm of this is political uh, geopolitical dealing with states and the other is the economy the other is economical they're two different things they're two different realms all right moving on uh it seems like our economy demands oil uh <clears throat> yeah chris I, I agree with you completely <laughs> i mean it's common sense anyone who's got two eyes can see it our economy demands oil we run on oil we are you know one of the biggest uh users of oil in the world today and we can supply that uh, uh, who can supply it well we can we the united the united states yes how uh well for starters we can drill here it's been proven that we have plenty of reserves within this country that we don't have to rely on other countries for oil you'd like to drill in alaska among other places, yes, Texas, the Gulf. There, oh, oh. there are many choices on the table here, Chris. I mean, oh, there's all a, right. there's a lot of things that we can do. There's a lot of solutions uh, that have been floated around by various uh, various scientists, you know, to solve this crisis that we're in. All right, we uh, don't have to. Uh, go ahead, Mr. Sorry. Grant. You have repeatedly uh, bemoaned the lack of bipartisanship and the lack of civility in Washington. That's correct. Yet you, sir, on numerous occasions, have been prone to outbursts rivaling the worst offenders. How do you respond to that? Uh well. Again, Chris, I think you have your facts wrong. Um, I've been nothing but polite to my political adversaries, and I think that I'm very, I'm very proud of that fact. I think we're stronger for that. I mean, we're not dealing with. Uh, Excuse me, uh, Mr. Grant. What were you gonna? What were you saying? I was just saying, you know, we have to treat each other with respect. You know, somebody who sits across the aisle from you that. They're as patriotic as you are. They love your country just as much as you. And you you can't spend your time hating them. You know? So I have been one of the most... I, I have been nothing but civil to my opponents. I value their opinions, and I value that the contribution that they're making to this country. Uh, I'm sorry to <clears throat> interrupt, Mr. Grant. Um, but I believe we have recorded segments of you engaging in rather inappropriate language. Uh, Chris, again, I, I think you are... These are lies, Chris. My words are being taken out of context. Well, we actually have a tape ready to roll. Uh, Mike? Damn, that guy's got a so far up his is coming out of his We made some fundamental misjudgments, and they were wrong. Uh, yes, uh, no, I, I'd agree with that statement. Frankly... Excuse my French, but my opponent doesn't know his shit from his ass. Half the time, he doesn't even know what ass he's fucking in the other half. He doesn't know if he should be fucking it or kissing Whenever it. Whenever the administration. But if he gets elected, it'll be your shit he's fucking. We're gonna fuck them! Those who won't know them! So now we find out that there's obesity and. and Man, uh, fuck you! Fuck your mother and the fuck you son of a fucking bitch. You wanna fuck with me? I'll fucking rip your fuck out and shove it down your fucking Chris, 
These are taken completely out of context. Mr. Grant, I don't see There that. are perfectly good explanations for each of these outbursts. And what you're hiding from your listeners is the context. I believe I was extremely, extremely apologetic. I, I believe I apologized after each of these outbursts. It is something I'm struggling with, but I always make up for it. I always go to the person afterwards and I say, you know, I'm sorry for that. I didn't mean those things I said. You know, this is, it's the way I was raised, you know. My mom was very civic-minded. She, she impressed in me a strong respect for the civic institutions of our country. You know, for my parents, I got a, I got a lot of respect for my fellow Americans, you know. So, so, no, don't tell me that I speak like this. Don't tell me that I'm not civil. I am civil. I always apologize. I always have respect, you know. Yes, we disagree. Yes, we have different point of views. But we're both Americans. We both love our country, and that's important to me. And we have to keep that in view. We can't treat each other like the enemy it just won't work it'll fall apart so i always make a large effort to be civil all right mr grant we're going to go now um thank you uh we're going to go now to our fans corner for the moment and dive into some questions that have been sent in by our listeners absolutely let's go if you'd like to send in a question send it to christopher.hornsby at gmail.com and we'll put it to our guest next week, Jeremy Leons. So let's go to our first question. Rosalie from Wisconsin writes, Recently, a milestone was reached. Two million people behind bars. Over three out of four of these prisoners is in there because of drug-related crimes. Mr. Grant, how do you feel about this? And should we continue to be putting away so many young men and women? Okay, yeah. Uh, okay. Rosalie, you have a very short-sighted view of this thing. Sure, that's a lot of people, but those people are in there for a reason. If there weren't so many people in there, they'd be out running through the streets, getting high and corrupting our nation's youth. So you are for these strict prison sentences, Absolutely. Mr. Absolutely. Even for, say, one-time or small-time offenders? Absolutely. There's no difference between a one-time user and a dealer in my book. Have you ever smoked marijuana, Mr. Grant? No, never. Absolutely not. Really? Come on, now. Not even a puff? Mr. Hornsby, I take offense at even the... Uh, do I, you, you think I'm a marijuana smoker? I, I'm not. Do I look like a marijuana smoker to you? I was just asking. It's a fairly common thing. I'm <sighs> Mr. sorry. Mr. Hornsby, I, I am appalled that you would refer to an activity as base and vile as being a dope fiend as being a fairly common thing. You know, do do children listen to your show, Mr. Hornsby? Do children listen to this well, prob broadcast? Probably. I have spent the greater part of my political career fighting against the insidious effects of marijuana and its sister drugs. Hmm. And I have to say we've been very, very successful at fighting them. The drug war is a success. Have you been inside a public school recently, Mr. Hornsby? Have you... Have you seen the corrupting influence that drugs have had within our schools? Uh, so I take it you are opposed to the medical marijuana initiatives sprouting up across the country. Opposed? Are, opposed? Are you kidding me? Uh, are you not opposed? Oh, all right. Let's. We have to move on. Uh, Tom from Missouri writes, We live in a world today inhabited by a vast array of geopolitical players in ways that our parents and grandparents never had to deal with. 
power is now more widely distributed and more likely to be held by non-state actors such as tribes or terrorist groups, etc. What are your feelings with dealing with these non-state actors diplomatically? Should there be any engagement on any level or do we only deal with nation states? Well, Tom, that's a great question. We do live in a rapidly changing world, and the problems that face the leaders and the American people in the last century are not the ones facing us in this century. In some ways, we have it a lot harder. These groups, the groups that we are facing today, are a lot more amorphous. They, you know, they shift around a lot. They're, they got shifty eyes. You know, it used to be that if someone pissed you off, you could fly over and drop a bomb on them. But nowadays, you have to be a lot more careful what you do and what what you say. You know. I think that the challenges that we face, uh, we don't have the tool. Well, we're not building the infrastructure or the tools to deal with these problems, <clears throat> to uh, to handle these sorts of problems. We're bringing, you know, you know what? We're bringing a 20th century mindset to the 21st century. You know what I'm saying? And, it, and it's killing us. Okay. Uh, so, how would you propose dealing with these non-state actors? Well, you know, I think the primary importance that, um, well, the primary importance of a state is providing a sort of conduit for communication. And I think that's difficult with these groups. So I think an important channel, or I think an important part of the process is providing that channel, providing that ability to communicate between all these groups. So you advocate active involvement with communicating with these groups. Uh, well, no, I think that is, it, it's important to draw a line to say I take these guys seriously, but these guys, I don't. Hmm. Otherwise, every dick and Harry is going to start forming groups and demanding attention. So I think you have to keep those separate. Yes. All right. Moving on. Uh, Barbara from California asks, and this is a short one. How do you feel about gay marriage? <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, right at you. Yeah, uh, well, again, Barbara, it's it's a case of not having the tools to deal with twenty first century problems. I mean, fifty years ago, people wouldn't have even considered gay marriage. Now it's on the table, so I think it's important. I, I, it's important to look at ourselves and be able to ask, who are we? Where are we going as a society? What are our values? So you are against gay marriage? Well. I think it's not such a cut and dry issue. I think the states have a role to play. I think the federal government has a role to play. I think the churches have a role to play. Most importantly, I think the American people have a role to play. So you would take a step back and see approach? Uh, correct. How do you personally feel? <laughs> uh, well, again, it's a tricky issue. I, I have a lot of different... Um, uh, I have a lot of conflicting emotions. So you won't say if you're for or against? Well, I don't think you can cast it in such stark terms. I mean, for, against, what do these mean? If I'm for gay marriage, does that mean I want to see all the gays in the world marrying each other? No. Mm. If I'm against, does that mean I want to get rid of all the gays? No. So, you know... I think this is really just an exercise in futility, and frankly, this is just one of those political footballs, you know, there's really no good answer, and I think it doesn't really have a good answer, 
and it never will. But sorry, I do. We, uh, last question. This is this one is coming from Oscar in Nevada. He writes, "Mr. Grant, what role do you feel religion has played in your outlook, in your political life, and in your personal life?" Of course, Oscar. Religion is a central part of my life, and I feel very strongly about it. It's gotten me through a couple, well, more than a couple of tough spots, especially when I was younger, and I was questioning a lot of things about the world and about myself. You know, I think it's a damn shame that kids today, they aren't really encouraged, uh, they don't have the opportunity to explore like I did, the answers that are out there. There have been times when I've had no one to turn to. I just hit rock bottom. You know, I'm sure you know what it's like. I'm sure we've all been there. Mm. And I was able to look to a higher power. And he has helped me and convinced me to carry on. And I did. And I thank him. I thank him from the bottom of my heart for that. And he is always in my heart. How does it affect my political life? Well, you know, of course, you can't, it's, uh, it's hard to separate your personal life and your political life. They become so intertwined. You know, the choices I make in one sphere necessarily affect the other. And so aspects of my religion are going to influence, they're going to go over and they're going to influence the choices that I make politically. You know, they're going to influence my thoughts and my feelings on a host of different subjects. So, you know, that's how I feel. And we're wrapping up. Uh, great. Thank you, uh, Mr. Grant and Eugene Grant. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on to our show today and discussing these issues. <laughs> uh, it's been my pleasure, Chris. Anytime. Great. If you'd like to download a copy of this interview, you, the listener, please send me an email at Christopher.hornsby at gmail.com we are supported by a number of sources but our most important resource is you consider donating to our show so we can keep this great series alive and on the air from washington i'm christopher hornsby this is the letter until next time